0: everyone it's tara here
1: and it's sarah
0: it's been a while but we are back yeah sorry
1: there's been moments that we were gone for um but we're back
0: <laughs> we just give ourselves a vacation after <laughs> four episodes.
1: we just decided that you know we just needed some time off you know everyone deserves some time <laughs> off So we decided to take some.
0: (laughs) So, okay, before we start, I wanted to apologize in case you don't follow us on Instagram, because I already posted it on there, like when I realized, but in our last episode, I talked about Miyazaki's alter ego. And in the recording, I don't know why I accidentally said (laughs) Ant-Man when he was supposed to be a rat man, like his alter ego. And yeah, it was an honest mistake. Um, I don't know how I missed it because when I edit, I listen to it over and over. And I realized and then I start hyperventilating and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. I already like it's already published and everything. Can you imagine just
1: you redacting it and then you just like have nowhere jumping in? Rat man, like it's so clearly <laughs> over edited. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but um i know i reference spongebob episodes all the time but i don't know if this is an old or new one but it's a spongebob episode where he has a million little mini versions of versions of himself in his brain and they start panicking and they start burning all the files and papers like in his brain that that is my brain and yeah that is my brain most of the time i'm always nervous yeah <laughs> <laughs> It just sounds like I have anxiety. It's fine. We all have
1: um. it. We are millennials.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyways. So how's everyone? How are you? Um,
1: Congrats on your new president. So exciting. I spent all of last week not sleeping, as everyone in my life knows. <laughs> yeah. I mm-hmm. just... I, Tara, I swear. One, like... One day after the election or something, I remember waking up and like still half asleep at five o'clock in the morning. I reached for my phone and with my eyes like half shut, I searched U.S. election oh result. <laughs> and it was like auto-correcting because I was half asleep and I was misspelling it. Yeah. And I was like, OK, no news <laughs> yet. But also I knew there was no news yet because my dad mm-hmm. hasn't sent a million messages being like, fuck yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, not that my dad would say that, but he would be like, yeah, down with Trump. But yeah, so, yeah. oh, my God, I'm so excited. I understand people keep saying, oh, but your state voted red. I'm like, I get it. I know where I come from. I know my state is red. (laughs) But my city turned blue. Okay, so excuse you. (laughs) No, so I just thought it was like so important for me to vote. Even though I don't live in the country and I don't plan on living in the U.S. for the near future. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's just like, I don't know, humans' rights were about to be taken away. And I just thought if I have the ability to try to vote this fascist out of the office and I don't, Mm -hmm. then I'm aiding and abetting his behavior, if anything. And Mm -hmm. I feel that way about everyone that doesn't vote. No offense. (laughs)
0: No offense. <laughs> because
1: I talk to so many people here and they're just like, Oh yeah, I don't vote because uh there's no point. And I'm like, <laughs> This is what yeah. people this is specifically what politicians want you to believe that your vote mm-hmm. doesn't matter because they don't yep. want people to vote. Why is that I mean you can clearly see it. Trump is literally saying stop freaking counting the votes. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. want people to vote. No one does. Yeah. And it's just like mm. and listen. I'm not pro-Biden. I'm not pro-Kamala. Like, I think it's wonderful. I'm so happy that we have, like, a South Asian and uh, half-Black woman uh, vice president. That's so incredible. Mm -hmm. But obviously, you have to hold these people accountable to their policies you know, but yeah. I feel very conflicted. I'm not pro-Biden. I was definitely to just like get Trump out of the office because at least Biden's not a freaking fascist.
0: No, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for voting even all the way across the country and that says a lot, so...
1: Yeah, man, if I can literally go through the hassle of making sure I'm registered to vote in my city and make sure that they send my ballot here and make sure i get it back there in time like you can just go on election day by the way in malaysia on election day you like have the day off you can go and vote like most countries don't have that that's amazing
0: well speaking of the government um my case today is actually about the malaysian government and their involvement involvement. (laughs) you just get censored after this (laughs) <laughs> we just get <laughs> shut down. <laughs> so if we disappear after this, you know why.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, God. Okay.
0: Um. Yeah, so their involvement, should I say lack of involvement, in helping the nomadic people in Malaysia. So this case is about Batik people, uh, also known as Indigenous Orang Asi. The Batik people are Australian Papuan people, and they are a remnant of the very first wave of migrants to leave Africa uh, 10,000 years ago. And they are distinct indigenous ethnicity from the malay majority so the Batit they live in rainforest of peninsular malaysia their community doesn't believe in the concept of private land ownership, so they consider to be caretakers of the land, which I think is so beautiful. I love that. They are an overall peaceful society. They share food and they that they harvest and they forge and they live in tents and lean lean tots. Uh, lean toes, sorry. So recent reports said that the tribe has about 200,000 people, which are all scattered across the country. The average lifespan um, barely reaches 50 years old. And the most important thing to keep note while I discuss this case is that that they are subject to prejudice and racism in the country. Yep. Also, not, not a fun fact, but the uh, Clinton Islamic Council, which is an influential regional religious body, stated a mission to convert all Oral Asli to Islam in the next 20 years. What? Um, <laughs>
1: why is that their mission maybe get running water uh make sure education right is put into
0: these communities like maybe mm. that in the next 10 years let them live i mean give them health care and support for and them let to them have live a on their land maybe that yeah. would be a better plan because <laughs> okay anyways this is why
1: our podcast is going to be canceled. we're so going to be cancelled.
0: <laughs> so for decades there has been a lot of conflict over land between the Orang Asli and the government wait so do you remember at your old house we used to look down on a community of Orang Asli and they always had parties and like people lived there like people who lived there were so friendly and nice yeah because they did their own thing my
1: neighborhood that I used to live in Damansar Pradana used to be an Orang Asli land and so the government yeah. was just like pretty much tricked them to giving well they didn't really have much of a choice but they had to give up their yeah. land and they the government gave them mm-hmm. like government housing yeah they like I could literally see the whole community from my yeah you did my window
0: but yeah they really just mind their own business and which is how they which is how they want to live their life and it's just sad that they can't i'll explain i know you you'll realize you know you think that the government giving them a like property, no, that doesn't all mean this stuff shit, is good, but man. it's not. No, it's not, it's not, and usually it's, sh- uh, yeah, they receive shit in the end. So, over the years, there have been a lot of conflict with the government. You know, the Batit group don't really have a leader, so they don't have a military or anything like that. The government has gradually enc- uh, encroached the Batit land for logging and farming. For example, Tamanagara National Park, this park was established in 1939, it's Malaysia's oldest national park, and it has like 1,300 kilometers of jungle because of an encroachment. the Batet people in the west of Malaysia were primarily in like inhabits of the national park and in 1960 tourism started to increase at the national park so this led interest for the Batit people to obtain jobs as jungle guides and like at the at the national park Mm -hmm. so in 1979 the malaysian government began to pressure the Batit to relocate at a government subside settlement which is what they always do and this was located in kuala ato just outside the boundaries of the park their primary concern at the time was that if the Batit people were to left to continue their nomadic existence they would come into contact with the communist terrorism hiding in the jungle at that time and they would be forced to give them economics and intelligence um, assistance which is just... I don't know. We have to fight the commies! Ugh. <laughs> I know. So uh. here's the thing. I read a few things on uh, on this and like uh, a lot of the articles were biased and blaming the Batet people, of course. And during this time, it was like the communist threat uh, of 1948 and 1960. Mm-hmm. They said many of the sorry nomadic people helped the communists. The government also wanted to remove the batik from the national park because they were collecting and selling produce, which is one of their main economic activities and obviously doesn't follow the park regulations. Oh God, but, it's but this is their, their home. land. Yes, it's their land, their home. It's so ridiculous. So... But in nineteen sixties the government had been encouraging the Batet to live in postleber to become non-nomadic farmers. So this is in Klantan, northeastern corner of the peninsula of Malaysia. Um of course the Batet people were not willing to leave for many reasons. One being that Postleber was not being dedicated for the Batit community, uh the for the Batek community, so it wouldn't be their land. And secondly, they would have to give up their nomadic lifestyle. And basically their life, like how they live and everything. Yeah. You know, that's not what they want. You understand. So um, <laughs> so angry. <one> of, <laughs> I end the recording before I can even finish. You're like, I'm over it. You understand. I'm you you it. get it. You understand. That's it. <laughs> so um, one of the batit summed up saying... We but are rich if we have cooking pot, digging stick uh bush knife, lighter tobacco, <laughs> salt, <laughs> and fishing pole, we only want four or five sarongs we don't need trousers if we live here in the la bear, we need money if we have money, we buy a lot, but if we have no money, no pro- uh, but if we don't have money, that's like not a problem. We reject possessions uh when we live in the forest, we don't need them. We can dig tubers if someone doesn't have food, others uh give it as in the old days so. Yeah, they just live a simple life. They are uh, such a peaceful community, helping each other.
1: Yeah, no, And they just want to live their, like, traditional, like, culture mm-hmm. and life, which there's mm-hmm. absolutely nothing wrong with.
0: Exactly. And it's sadly being um slowly extinct. Wait, that's not the word. <laughs> it's being slowly. Yeah, that is the word. Yeah, that
1: is the word. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also want to make it clear that, like, we are aware that this is it doesn't just happen in malaysia like native communities are targeted everywhere in the world
0: everywhere like yep, that's what I this want to isn't say, yeah. like
1: an anti-malaysia government <laughs> no episode. this is like, everywhere it happens to native people every country so mm-hmm. you know we have to exactly. protect these communities
0: um but the specific case i'm talking about it happened to the bate people who were located in an isolated rainforest in the state of kuantan in Kuala Koh, and over a decade ago their jungle home which was located in the south of the thai border it was torn down for oil plantation um and recently the manganese mine. So the Bate living in the Kuala Koh are also known to be one of the most neglected Orang Asli. In 2007, their land was ravaged and they planted thousands of palm oil uh, palm trees for palm oil. Mm. And in 2010, the government gave, gave the tribe a piece of land with half a dozen of concrete houses to form a settlement. But there was no water or electricity in the house, even though there were sinks. The house was dirty, filled with muddy sleeping mats and bars on the windows, which re- resembled like prison cells. The nearest school was sixty miles away and they weren't near a jungle, meaning they had to rely on really little food distribution. Oh my god. So Joe yeah, so Johan Halid who was the uh, who was in the organization of Sahabat Jaria, he had been visiting the tribe for more than a decade. Basically said the government doesn't give a shit about them. He says how can you ask the budget to integrate into a society when you don't give them the access to the jungle or anything at all. No power, no water, no schools. If food isn't brought to them, how will they survive because at least in the jungle they can hunt or like harvest food. So this is literally throwing them in the middle of nowhere left to die basically. Yeah. It's like, Anyways, fend for yourself, yeah. we gave you houses. Mm-hmm. Anyways, back to the buttock located in Kuala Ko Rainforest. In May 2009, the people in the nomadic community began to experiencing fever and breathing difficulties. One by one, they started to, to pass away. And they had high fevers, their throat swelled up, and they couldn't even swallow or eat people couldn't breathe and mysteriously over two weeks 15 members of the community were killed from the mysterious Mm. disease and more than 100 were hospitalized some were even in the intensive care so in the end only 20 people out of the 168 from the community were not affected by the disease can you imagine like that's insane yeah that's Um,
1: everyone you know and yes literally
0: that's yeah that's 89% of the population of the tribe that had like contact with this disease a government investigation was plead which included autopsies of the bodies that could be recovered from the jungle where they had traditional bari- uh burials however four months later nothing was materialized four months seemed like a very very long time to me to wait for even like any answers yeah so uncle johan Tahun, he was 60 years old and he became one of the oldest men in the kuala uh the one uh, in the community and everyone else his age has died he said in a quotation he said they cut down our jungle destroyed our hope and they poisoned our environment mm-hmm. so johan uh johan halid who i mentioned before who kept coming to who was part of the Sahaba Jaria, and he kept coming to the tribe he's on their side by the way he mentioned earlier he oh, okay. tried to get so we like the- him yeah <laughs> We like him. <laughs> okay. It's so good he, to know. <laughs> I'll tell you who's on our side. Yeah, exactly. So, um, Johan Halid, he was, uh, he tried to get the authorities to send medical help earlier, and for weeks he would like try to get them, but they would ignore his calls. Um, he posted it on his social media, and that went viral. Finally, on June 4th, the Department of Health sent a van to take them to the hospital. But there were too many of them um, that were sick, so they couldn't take them all in one day. So, they, they sent one van? Five, yeah, one van.
1: Oh my god.
0: <laughs> so then it took them another five days to send another van. And um, then they had to wait for a national holiday to pick up the rest. Uh, what? I don't think that's how this works. <laughs> so while it took them that long to send over help to Mobate, um... Uh, people had passed away, which included a three-year-old boy. Mm -hmm. So obviously, people wanted answers, and the special officer to the Director General of Health Malaysia named Dr. Faisal Nizman Abu Salim. He said the investigations and the proceedings were ongoing. The Ministry of Health tried to declare it as a spread of measles, which caused death. But the tribe and the advocates of the Orang found that harsh, like, they found it was a harsh claim to say that. Yeah. Uh, pretty much say, yeah, because they're like pretty much trying to push it under the rug and close the case. The people of the tribe believe it was due to environmental factors and rampant Uh, Neglect and malnutrition. Those Mm. are large amounts of pesticides used on the palm plantation. And detritus and explosive from the manganese mine nearby. Exposure of contamination of the manganese can cause long-term health problems due to the chemicals in many affects like respiratory tract and parts of the brain. I mean it can also affect the liver, heart and other organs. It can cause defi- uh, deficits in the ability to function, hand movement, loss of coordination and balance and it's found to cause Parkinson's disease. It can also cause skeleton disorders, birth defects, neurological sim- symptoms but they There's a whole list of the effects and it's it's really dangerous. So Dr. Stephen Chow, he is the president of the Federation of Private Medical practitioners associations malaysia he even said that detrimental health effects of the manganese are amplified even more when the buttock with even more with the buttock because of their immune system since it's already compromised of chronic malnutrition so dr chow he's also on our side by the way good guy (laughs) he said that based on their own research um of the pattern of death there was an outside environmental factor of either poisoning by the by another chemical or another pollutant or another extreme high-level magnes from the mine, which was at least partially responsible for the death. So he visited the tribes multiple times and he said that the government was supposed to give a report of the investigation, but they heard nothing. I, I just find it pathetic that he, Dr. Chow and his like team had to do their own research because the government weren't doing their job. Well, I mean it's obvious why they weren't doing their job because yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's
1: their fault. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at this point, we all know why they didn't report anything. Yeah. I don't want to say anything, but... You know, I hope everyone's on the same page. Leave it at that. So the local private testing was done by the FPMPAM and it showed unhealthy levels of metal, including manganese and fecal materials in the buttit water supply. One source of the testing found 25 times the amount of manganese deemed healthy for human consumption by the Ministry of Health. The report was sent to the Ministry of Health by the private medical association. They described the buttits habit as a death trap and like they re- literally meant it at a death trap. Mm. On September 25, the Malaysian Ministry of Health declared the cause of death to be measles. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they're, <God>. like, <laughs> they're, they're like they're like oh okay uh that's a great report but it's actually measles. <laughs> <laughs> Zulkifi Ahmad, he was a health minister. He said that of the 16 deaths, four of them were confirmed to be measles. Oh, Eight of them were due to epidemiologically related to measles outbreak. And another four were not deemed, uh, were not determined due to the decay. And get this, based on their report of the environment, oh, yeah. the deaths were not due to heavy metal poisoning. Oh, okay. That's very
1: <laughs> specific. <laughs>
0: very, sp- Like no one, no one asked that. No, I'm oh. no, um, sorry. What? What? I thought <laughs> I th- you were just testing measles. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously it came to no surprise to the Patit tribe. They have been treated like garbage by the government and they were denied access to running water and their only supply was from the mountain stream that is collected into a small pond which was then piped down to their village. They know about the measles as well, and they said that it was a complete different type of disease they have never faced before. So before the Magnes operation the water was very clear and now it's murky and sometimes even red in colour. Oh, when the observer visited
1: the- My God
0: <laughs> And the health minister is like, no, it's cool. No, 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 it's the fine.
1: environment's fine. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't drink the water. But, I mean, but? I brought my mineral water here. But, but it's totally fine. <gasps> my, I mean, I, I would. <laughs> if I didn't have my mineral water here, I would drink it. But, I, I, I mean, <laughs> I do. I do have it. So, I'm good. She
0: brings, like, Evian mineral water. It's like, have you seen
1: that video of President Obama going to flint yep, michigan flint. where they also and he doesn't and he's like
0: yeah yeah and he's
1: like look at this water it's clean and then he clearly like
0: pretends to take a sip but he's clearly not drinking it <laughs> or it's either like mineral water poured in the cup. It's so ridiculous. It's like, <laughs> uh, it's a mockery. So when the observer visited the dam, um, the water was murky brown and there was reddish black stones, which was from the Magnese mine nearby. And one of the tribe members said that the water tasted bitter and she vomited after drinking the water. Oh so, my god. Dr. Chow, he dismissed the government's ridiculous claims, said it's an outbreak of measles. He said in quotation, I think the government wants to bury this matter and move on. Mm. Yeah, you, you tell them, you tell them, Dr. Chow. <laughs> Woohoo, Dr. Ciao. (laughs) We love
1: you. I'm a Stan.
0: it's a bit late this report was a year ago but it's fine still stand him so dr chow Chow said there should be accountability for these deaths that goes right to the top he added but i doubt it will ever happen in 20 years i would not be surprised if there is barely any of the tribe left but the Bate nomadic uh way of life was not entirely over they still had to make monthly trips to the jungle to find uh sandalwood to sell and small amounts of food it's a very long and difficult walk and they don't even earn enough to profit from it it's barely to survive. I was reading an interview with one of the members of the tribe and he was under a plastic uh, cover hanging from the bamboo. He was cooking fish over the fire for his two kids and he said, our old way of life is gone. Outside it is hard but at least we have houses. People bring us food and maybe things will get better, said Jamal. This jungle used to be our home but not anymore. Another member of the tribe said that they believed they were poisoned because of the mind and that when it rains they don't use the water from the... Uh, like tunduk river basically the water from the mine falls into this tunduk river and they avoid drinking um, water from that river now the jungle is in log ruins. the state government gave the land which was uh, designated for the tribe to another palm oil company they ripped and destroyed all of the tribes plant planted trees they tore down the campsite that they made the company claimed the to compensate them with 10,000 ringgit. So yeah, they wanted to compensate them in 10,000 ringgit, but they have yet to do so. They didn't give the money to them, which is so, so...
1: Like, what is 10,000 ringgit? Like, that is nothing. Uh, Literally. You're robbing 10,000 people. 10,000
0: ringgit is nothing to these rich shits. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> oh my
0: god. So not only do they destroy their homes, their life, then compensate them for barely anything and then don't even pay up. It's pathetic. It's so stupid. I also forgot to mention the government was spending spending $800,000, not ringgit dollars, um, in installing power grid and water treatment system while the Batik were collecting rainwater from plastic tanks. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) So Malaysia is one of the largest producers of palm oil. In 2013, a study which estimated from 1990 to 2008 found that 1.4 million hectares of forest land was destroyed to make palm oil plantation. I mean, obviously this is sad because not only does it for the Batik people, but just the environment and... Endangering animals.
1: I'm so sad that there's no happy ending.
0: No, that's it. That, that is literally oh it. Oh my god! <laughs> it just ends like that. I I don't know if they what? paid up. What? I doubt it. This is um, recent, right? In, this is recent. This was last year.
1: Yeah, no, it's like, you know, sometimes you hear these stories and you're like, oh, that happened ages ago. It's like, no, this is recent. Mm, this is happening exactly. now. Oh, my God. Yep. Okay, well, that he did a good job. It's also
0: sad because, like, it should be... There's not a lot on it as well, you know? People aren't really talking no,
1: about it. No, I definitely didn't hear them. it when it came out. Nothing. Hopefully, that will start to change. So, um, following your case, I'm also doing a case on uh, impoverished communities that were attacked in Malaysia I mean I don't know how else Mm -hmm. to put it there's probably a better more articulate way to put it but we'll just go with that uh so if i'm just putting this out there um i'm about to talk about a prolific uh pedophile so there is a lot of trigger warning there is talk about abuse of children that nature so if you are uncomfortable with that rightfully so i completely understand and i hope you have a good day (laughs) Um, so today i'm doing the case of the gap year pedophile richard huckle and he's actually considered one of uk's most prolific pedophiles although he was only 28 when he was arrested
0: whoa um, so young
1: yeah really young he carried out most of his crimes in malaysia but there's also also evident of his crimes in cambodia and india so he was born in kent in the uk and he Yay, was born I lived in-, in kent before yeah are you proud <laughs> <laughs> no i'm
0: not
1: proud <laughs> sounds Go like on. it um so yeah so he was born in 1986 and went to really good schools there even though he was never really a like a plus student he was like always just mm-hmm. average when he was older he became a member of a church in london which for legal reasons british investigators have kept anonymous but has been alluded mm. that it was a predominantly asian or south asian church which will bring importance later on so after his arrest i'm skipping forward a little bit because to talk about this Mm -hmm. church so after his arrest the pastor of that church was interviewed and he said that huckle rarely came to the church unless to see children i mean
0: if Hmm. a young man only
1: wants to hang out with children is this not a red flag i think it is right so in college people that knew him said that he was just a loner never really talked about himself or home but he seemed to have like a few friends i guess he started to post hundreds of pictures Of himself, mostly with children. One person online did comment on these posts, though, early on, and said. That one person would be you. (laughs) (laughs) That would be me. This is me, 100%. (laughs) Listen to this. (laughs) After reading your post, I think you're weird. You like Asians, especially children. (laughs) I mean, I don't think he meant like it's weird that you like Asians. I think he meant you like Asian children. Um, Yeah. Especially children seem to have a bit of a obsession about them looking for churches wanting to come in asia to asia and so forth to which huckle replied okay i admit i'm not the most normal person but i think the comments you are making are a little extreme i didn't particularly have a decent social life my teenagehood mainly as my school and friends live 20 miles away and going to an old boys school didn't help so i'm like You didn't Mm -hmm. say anything. (laughs)
0: Like, you're like,
1: yeah, you're kind of right, but it's because of my upbringing.
0: (laughs) He did not defend himself. Nope, nope, nope.
1: (laughs) So he also would make posts about how he felt like he can be his true self around children and things like that. I mean, also fucking weird. You're kind of like growing to be a grown teenager. Like, I mean, he must have been like 18, 19 about this time.
0: Yeah, I was gonna ask how old he was. Yeah.
1: After Richard had finished his studies... In 2005 to 2006, he spent a gap year in Malaysia. Probably just one of those like soul searching weird things that British kids take. Really? Uh, I think it's only like a thing in the UK, the gap year thing that people take. This is where he <laughs> pretended to <No> be. Comment. <laughs> <laughs> this is where he pretended to be a devoted Christian and English teacher. Pretty much digging access to children through churches schools and orphanages Mm -hmm. so um this woman Ann joyce she used to work for the world change which was the company that organized huckle's gap year she said that Mm -hmm. huckle had been trouble from the start and she kind of said like he gave her the like weird vibes and he was moved to i mean he was removed from his first school placement because he rubbed gap year students the wrong way Mm. They're like, listen, I came to Asia for my spiritual growth and he's killing my vibe. <laughs> so get him out of here. Please, with his weird long hair so Anne, the the woman that works at the company found a church where huckle became a sunday school teacher but soon after she had to move huckle from the church and the gap year challenge program altogether this was following reports of him smacking some of the children Hmm. i mean for someone that claims to love children in 2010 he so between this time he had went back to the uk came to malaysia on and off was traveling around southeast asia but there's not much information about his times then Mm -hmm. but in 2010 he moved to malaysia permanently and got a certificate to teach english after a two-month course at the british council in kl after which he had started putting up ads and a resume and pretty much hiding himself as a private english tutor as well as being a sunday school teacher at the church he had previously worked at so to protect the victims in this case there's very little details that are allowed to be shared on the exact community he targeted all we know in the public was that he specifically targeted poor christian communities i think i kind of know who the community is i think there's some mm-hmm. like forums that posted it but i just don't feel comfortable mentioning it because yeah this community doesn't want to be contacted and i'll explain mm-hmm. as i'm going huckle repeatedly mentioned the pastor of a church in his diary but when reporters had tracked down the pastor he insisted that huckle had never been a sunday school teacher there and he had no memory of any concerns about huckle's behavior he refuses that any of the crimes that were committed were within the community and says that huckle barely came to the church Mm -hmm. he was just pretty much like no 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 yeah we know him but he he was not here like no don't come Mm -hmm. to this community essentially the way that the church community viewed huckle was that of an educated white man that wanted to help the city's poorest and most vulnerable communities and it was very easy for him to exploit and gain the trust of everyone and for many Mm -hmm. of the parents even if it was possible that the children may have flagged behavior from huckle it was likely that they would have believed huckle over the kids to the point where it's still easier for the community to pretend nothing happened than to acknowledge the truth and the shame that it brings invest the british investigators described this community as a close-knit trustworthy and naive community and they were told that the community leaders refused to believe that huckle had abused their children what the heck i think there were maybe some suspicions sometimes in the community but they seem to have disregarded it quite quickly for example huckle once posted on his blog that he was accused of abducting a little girl when he took her out of the room because she had wet herself very personal i don't know why he would post that but mm, he posts a lot of weird (laughs) things on the internet that's weird yeah to put up a front huckle posted hundreds of innocent pictures of himself with these young children but On the dark web is where he posted his true intentions. He filmed and photographed himself abusing the children for other pedophiles. (gasps) He even posted on forums there regularly. Um, In one post, he said, "In one post, he said, I hit the jackpot. A three-year-old girl as loyal to me as my dog, and no one seemed
0: to care." What the fuck? I'm sorry. Sorry. It only gets worse. He was caught
1: when Australian police stumbled across his online activity as they were investigating 17 other British men who were pedophile suspects. Five of those who mm-hmm. have now been convicted, two have killed themselves, and five have been arrested. Um, so... Yay! Yeah, so pretty much they were investigating these other pedophiles and they were on the same websites as Huckle and that's Mm -hmm. how they were able to identify him. I think they said they identified him through like a freckle on his finger in the pictures.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Like it was kept coming up and they were able to figure out who he was. A freckle, wow! (laughs) Okay. Hey, these, like, cyber crime police, like, they, they're very good at identifying things mm. and, like, locations and things like that. I mean, they That's should be. That's so good. So, Huckle was arrested at Getwick Airport when he flew home from Christmas in 2014. So, mm-hmm. he was initially charged with 91 serious sex assaults on 23 children. Police believed he wow. had attacked up to 200 children. <gasps> He was arrested, questioned, and then released on bail because he had no priors. He went to his family home in Kent, but on Christmas morning, his parents had thrown him out. I think they had found out what had happened. They were like, "Mm, fuck off. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Very British. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> fuck off now. <laughs> Mark's going to hate my British accent. <laughs>
0: Mark's shaking his head <laughs>
1: so hard. Okay. Sorry. Investigators had found over twenty thousand indecent photographs and videos that he had taken.
0: Twenty thousand. Yeah. Oh. Oh my god. They
1: also discovered his descriptive commentary that he would share with other pedophiles. One of them what saying. The fuck? I was going to lure him into the bedroom and have sex with him, but I think he noticed the trap and fled. I'll get him next time. Oh my god yeah oh my fucking God. scary okay so disgusting he, he posted a video of himself abusing a victim on a crowdfunding website to support his travel and abuse at this point Huckle was arrested again and held in prison to await his trial he denied all charges the investigators planned for three separate charges because they didn't think one jury could stand listening to all of his crimes can you imagine Whoa. they had counselors on standby <gasps>
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. But Huckle then decided to plead guilty guilty, and accepted all 91 charges. His charges were listed on five different pages and were heavily redacted, unlike any sex charges before in the UK. So it hid locations, dates, and names of victims. Some victims he abused for several years. His youngest was six months and his eldest was six 12. Six months?
0: Yeah. And there oh were my God. and twelve. That's so young.
1: Yeah, that's the eldest. There were boys and girls. It's it just gets worse. He had also written a sixty-page guide on how pedophiles can reduce their risk of exposure. Huckle had bragged in this guide: impoverished Asian kids are definitely much easier to seduce than middle-class Western kids. Jeez. He was like a systematic pedophile. Like he is. Yeah. A, monster Mm -hmm. all the crimes he was charged with were committed in malaysia even though he had traveled all across southeast asia and india these were the ones that they presented another interesting fact was that investigators never interviewed any of the victims because they believed it would cause extra trauma so they relied everything Mm -hmm. on the admission of the crimes he had done and the videos pictures of the victims
0: imagine having to watch every single thing and you know you have to watch it multiple times as well just to. oh my god i can't i don't want to i don't want yeah no
1: he would take his victims to places like poor dixon and kelsey c and just like take pictures of them talk about his day out with them there like this is how much the parents trusted this man with their children mm. he would allow them to take trips with them on their own
0: um yeah dixon is far as well
1: yeah so i'm going to tell you about one of his victims so if there is a case of one of his victims that he had taken to KLCC and they took pictures next to the fountain there. He posted a picture of her and he wrote, "Spent most of the week looking after her as nobody else will." Uh, he thinks that they're he's like their savior. Huckle admitted to raping her when she was ten and eleven years old and carried out Aww, other serious sex offenses to her from the age of Aww. six. <gasps> yeah, S- he posted. So she- a- Sorry, uh,
0: wait, he's been he's been in her life for a very long time. Then
1: yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like there was like there was wow. some children that he abused throughout like for years of their life. So oh
0: my god, that's so fucked up. That's yeah. so sad.
1: He posted abuse pictures of her on the dark web and wrote, "It's quite amazing to have." Oh, I hate reading this. Okay, hold on. Mm-hmm. It's quite amazing to have stuck with the same child lover for so many years. I hope from the images you have seen, you enjoyed watching her grow. It's not often in child porn you can compare the bodies of a five year old and a 12 year old that are the same girl. I'm sure I'll have plenty more sex with her in the future. Like, oh ew, my god.
0: I ew. can't even.
1: It was so hard to ew. read that. It was so hard. <laughs> like, I want to vomit.
0: What the fuck is. Oh my god, this is sick. It's disgusting. Oh my god. I don't even know about this case. I've never heard of this case.
1: Oh, really? No, I mean, it I don't was. I think quite, I have. It was quite popular, but let me tell you, it was not easy to read reports i like it was hard to get information about this here Mm. and i'll explain in a bit he was given 22 concurrent life sentences after pleading guilty to 91 counts of child sex offenses so after the charges the british investigators approached a local child protection ngo to help approach the community and explain what happened to their children so this this is the protect and save children charity and they have set up child sexual abuse um prevention at like education and prevention workshops for these communities but mm-hmm. that's really good. the charity says that they didn't have access to the charges that huckle was facing and they didn't inform the community about what happened to their children. In 2016, in an interview, the deputy, the then deputy minister of um, women, family, and community development said that uh, they were not aware about anything about the case as it's being handled by the British prosecution and the victims are unknown. So Mm -hmm. after the gravity of Huckle's crimes became known, the Malaysian government set up a telephone hotline for people to call if they have any information about Huckle or if they were abused Mm -hmm. themselves but Mm -hmm. the british authorities insist that they did inform malaysian authorities as soon as they identified huckle before they had arrested him in 2014 oh Um, drama yeah so it's a lot of he said she said um type of things uh Mm -hmm. i think the community is also kind of blocking out any kind of help and counseling from what I've heard, yeah. mm-hmm. because they're just like, oh, it's not us; it's another community, not here. And I understand they have a, they want to protect the children, but you know, these mm-hmm. kids definitely need help uh, very much. To just shut them out. Yeah. Some good news. Not very much good news, but still good news. On 13th mm-hmm. of October, 2019, Huckle was found strangled and stabbed to death in his cell. <laughs> Fuck oh. yeah. Another prisoner was charged for his murder in January 2020. If I He's was just the like, judge, I, I would have been like, you know what? <laughs>
0: you know what? What's your favorite food? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a sense to yourself.
1: But yeah, so he died last year at the age of 33. Wow. He deserves far <laughs> worse
0: than that. But it's always like that. Like if oh yeah, no, uh, they if if in prison. If you are a rapist or a pedophile, even if the person has murdered a family, they'll look down on you. Like what the fuck uh, is wrong? Anything is with children, people anything will children. fucking yep. attack
1: you. Which should yeah just like some final thought i think that there's a huge battle that needs to be fought in malaysia against child sex offenders and Mm -hmm. the fact that there is still no national sex offender registry here is a problem and i think it would solve a lot of issues i mean Mm -hmm. from what i read they tried to set up one last year but it's not very good i think it only contained names for crimes that were committed 2017 onward and did oh. not include those convicted of sex crimes against children abroad or those convicted oh. of sex crimes against adults it's also not accessible to the public only places of business can use it for hiring purposes and you have to go to like the department like a government department and request oh my gosh. for the names that you're searching yeah no it's it's should be a lot easier for us to find out who these fucking people are and uh, i i understand that it's a mental illness obviously it was so easy for him to just yeah. get into people's lives it was a whole community that he attacked
0: freaking years. crazy
1: don't ever allow your children to be with any men <laughs> No. or any strangers or not even yeah. strangers any men that are not their like immediate father brothers
0: even th- no even immediate family members there are so many i've been reading oh, so many cases oh my god yes yeah, like, there's so father. many cases yes, every yeah. week you it's read like,
1: on the news there's like a yeah. father charged raping a 13 year old yes it's getting
0: like so yeah i don't know why it's i don't know if it's more like publications and spotlight on the cases but oh yeah, yeah i yeah, see yeah. it so often or you know maybe before it was just hush hush and now people are finally talking about reporting it because before maybe no one really i think you know reported it or anything
1: i think more people are reporting it um definitely not everyone is reporting it Always ask your children and believe your children if they're uneasy around a person. Mm -hmm. They're uneasy around a person for a reason. But also, I mean... And teach your children. The thing is, yeah, teach your children because he was not just a pedophile. He was a groomer. He groomed these children to love him, tricked them to believe that this was love that they were sharing and that it was okay. So obviously, children don't know any better. Exactly. Especially if they were, you know, he was giving them things that they weren't getting at home or like taking mm-hmm. them places and, you know, things like that. It's like, it's, it was so easy for him and it was so scary.
0: So there's that. So that's that. <laughs> <laughs> I w- I'll never forget when I had like therapy sessions with little kids, like counseling therapy sessions. And the kid I was counseling was like, Can I ask you a question? Why do you sound like a boy? I was just like- <laughs> I was just like, um... <laughs> don't know what to say to that. Oh my gosh anyways um so if you made it this far thank you once again for listening we really appreciate it and again we apologize for disappearing yeah i mean it has been life happens
1: and you know it's it's been a stressful uh i would say few weeks for everyone both of us the world Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i think you all can understand where we're coming from um or as my friend and uh would say ning she was like so is halloween a puppet holiday for you guys well we didn't and I was like, Yes, Ning, you know me well.
0: <laughs>
1: but yeah, so we'll we're going to try to be more consistent from here
0: on out. That's what he um, said last time and then we disappeared. <laughs> So I'm just—we're not gonna <laughs> say anything, and hopefully That's we'll true. talk to you
1: soon. Okay, no, mm-hmm. we're not gonna say anything. We'll post when we post, okay? Yeah,
0: yeah. We'll post when we post. Follow us on Instagram at wait. Full stop. Don't kill me. Right. As a review, that
1: helps us on every kind of platform. Mm, oh yeah,
0: on Apple Podcasts and whatever you listen to.
1: That'd be really lovely. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, you know, thanks. <laughs> thanks bye (laughs) do you like do you like our sign off it's very professional tara
0: thank you once again take care don't trust (laughs) anyone lock your door take care (laughs) what's wrong with that i always tell people take care take care
1: okay i mean yeah sure take care you guys (laughs) just
0: lock your doors (laughs) bye take care tara take care guys